You're listening to the Becoming Me podcast, and I'm your host, Emily Cummins. You know, we're all on this grand journey, becoming who God made us to be. And that's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear stories of fellow warriors becoming who God made them to be. And you'll discover resources designed to equip you on your own becoming journey. So grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea, and let's dive into today's episode. You're listening to the Becoming Me podcast, and I'm your host, Emily Cummins. You know, we're all on this grand journey, becoming who God made us to be. And that's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear stories of fellow warriors becoming who God made them to be. And you'll discover resources designed to equip you on your own becoming journey. So grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea, and let's dive into today's episode. Well, hey, Becoming TV. I'm so excited to introduce you to my warrior friend, Linda, today. Linda, welcome to Becoming TV. Thank you. It's great to be here with you, Emily. I'm so excited to have you here and to unpack your journey over the next few moments together. And, you know, maybe we should start with the hardest question. Like, who is Linda? Who is Linda? Um, I, you know, I'm currently a follower of Jesus and I love him. I love his word. I love having the Holy Spirit work in me and speak to me. I believe that God's word is alive and active. Um, I was just reading in Ezekiel this morning two one, you know, it just says the voice of God is real. And when I hear it, I stand up and I thought, that's how I feel. I just, and I'm eager to hear him, you know? And so I, I just really feel like that's the passion that drives everything I do. It, it comes out of my faith. Um, and I'm so thankful. I'm married to a wonderful man who we were not believers when we got married, but we found our faith in different ways at the same time. And that was about five years into our life after we had our first child. Um, and so we've, we really spiritually grew up with our kids. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I became a believer at like 26 years old, um, had my first baby. And then, um, you know, just life as a believer, like Job right into God's word and um, has not, I haven't stopped studying it since. Um, But we have four kids. I love being a mom to Lauren, Andrew, Anna, and Caroline. We have three married. um, And my youngest just got married last weekend in Nashville. So we are coming off wedding bliss and it was just the best. Um, And then I have three grandchildren and they call me honey. And I love when they chase me and say, honey, honey, honey. And I'm like, what? You can have anything. So I love them so much. So they're sweet. My little Rose just turned seven and Smith is four and Esme is seven months. And they live here in Indianapolis because my son is my pastor. And we go to Antioch Church here in Indianapolis. And um, we love doing life with them and the community here in Indianapolis. Local, the local church is really important in our lives. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And I love that they call you honey. I know. Cool. (laughs) I've never heard that before. And I love it. I, it's funny. I was listening to some radio show years and years and years ago. And um, a woman came on and was talking about her grandchildren and the, um, interviewer said, you know, tell us what your grandma name is. Cause that's such a popular thing to do name oh, yourself yeah. and all of that. And she said, honey. And I was like, 
that is going back in my little memory bank and I am hanging on to that. And I never told anyone because I didn't want anyone to steal it. And my sisters that were were grandmas before me were like, what name should I use? What are you going to use? And I was like, I don't know. Um, And so when we had our turn at this sweet, sweet season of life, um, I just told them that was my name and that's what they've called me. So I love it. That's so special. I really love that. That's amazing. You know, I would love for you to take some time to unpack your journey. Like what has made you who you are today? What's your story? Well, I would say, you know, really starting with my family of origin, I'm one of seven kids. I was raised in the Chicago area. We were, I was a mainline, like traditional, you know, Catholic family. We went to church every Sunday. I was taught about Jesus. I believed that Jesus was born from the Virgin Mary and that he um, resurrected on Easter Sunday. And, um, and yet I was never given the word of God. And I was never told that the word of God was for me. And I did never understood really repentance. Um, I never understood the filling of the Holy Spirit. Um, And so it really wasn't until I was an adult when I heard the full gospel. And I was like, oh, I know Jesus. I just don't know him, know him, you know, and he didn't live inside of me. And I hadn't surrendered my life to him. But I had a a total belief in him. And I had a total belief in God. Um, But I needed the Holy Spirit peace. And I needed the confession piece and to understand that fruit comes from repentance and that's where we get the fullness of life and our really then our purpose comes. Um, so I ran ahead a little bit. So, um, being one of seven kids, the middle, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was an, I, I'm an introvert, but I was squished in this family. I loved being a middle child because I got to decide if I was going to be one of the older ones or the younger ones. Um, But I'm nine years older than my youngest sister, and I really helped raise her. And I just felt like that birthed in me a lot of maternalism. Um, And I think that was a significant season for me, just potty training her and helping my mom with her because my mom was so busy. Um, And so just growing up, you know, just was really... Um, sweet in my family. My parents had a stable marriage. It wasn't perfect by any means, but they they stayed together and were married 50 something years. And um, I just loved them dearly. And they were really impactful in my life. And I was a wanted and adored child. And I feel like that really set in motion, like what God was going to build this ministry on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it gave, it's given me capacity and um, an ability to stand with people in really hard places. So even though my experiences in life were not what I'm living out now, I feel like, and I was, you know, I grew up on Oprah and Oprah always had people on her show that were like telling their experience and then their experience qualified them and equipped them to talk about what they were talking about. And it kind of made them experts. And I kind of grew up thinking that. And then I thought, well, I don't have a testimony. I don't have a story that's dramatic, you know? And then the Lord, when he gave me this ministry, I, he, he whispered to me, I have equipped you and I have qualified you. And I have used all these things in your life that you didn't even know I was using. They're not the obvious things, but they're all your little yeses and all your, like my childlike faith that I have the quiet time I've spent with him, the time studying his word and just believing what he says um, to just like build a foundation that I had no idea I was going to stand on. So I love being married to my husband, Steve, who's my high school sweetheart. And I love our family. um, And I love walking this life of faith. 
and meeting people who like you are passionate um, and just like firmly going after and chasing God down and really seeking him and finding him and believing that when he says he'll be found, he is. And I live on the promises of God. And I think that that is what a lot of people lean into with me is that part of my faith. Um, and I, I love that, you know, I just feel like if I can just, I don't have to have all the answers and I don't even have to know the Bible front to back, mm -hmm. but I know that it's true. And I know that I've, if I've spent time with Jesus this morning, I will have something to offer someone today. Mm, that is good. I love that. You know, are you, are you a coffee drinker, Linda? Or tea? I'm not. I am a Diet Coke drinker in the morning and a LaCroix drinker in the afternoon. <laughs> oh, okay. So what flavor LaCroix do you have today? Actually, so this is um, dark cherry and pomegranate. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Costco has the best flavors. I just tried the watermelon one and it's really good. There yeah. you go. Very refreshing. I love carbonation. So oh, yeah, me too. It just, it's refreshing. I'm with you. So if it. we were having LaCroix or you're having a LaCroix with another person on their own becoming journey, like what would you say to encourage them? Oh goodness. I would, I would just say that God is alive and he still speaks today. Um, there are so many voices out there and I would really encourage my friend to make sure she's being still and being quiet uh, before the Lord and with herself, you know, so that she, I think telling another woman that she will know herself best, not when she self-reflects, but when she finds God and when she finds who he is and the names of God will reflect back to her who she is. And I just believe that with my whole heart that I know myself best when I know God best. And when I'm really rooted in him, I find myself rooted in my identity and more confident and content uh, because contentment doesn't come from the world. Uh, you know, it just, the comparison and competitive nature of the world and social media just drags us down. And so I just feel like I have to stay rooted and I know where that rooting comes from. And that's my testimony to so many other people is just kind of like, where are you rooted these days? And how's your heart? And are you troubled? you know, are, where's your anxiety coming from these days? Um, and just asking a lot of questions helps me excavate kind of out of them what it is they're dealing with at the time in the day and what and where can I point them? Yeah. No, I love that. And I love what you shared about if you start your day with Jesus, you have something to offer people like all day long that really fills you to pour out. So if your friend, you're sipping your favorite LaCroix and they look back at you and said, you know, Linda, how do I even start that time with Jesus every day? How would you encourage them to just start? Um, I think honestly, it's, it's just making sure that you have this everywhere with you. Um, this is so worn, but it, it's water stained because when I stand at the grave, sometimes it's raining and it, it pours on my Bible, but you know, this is what my Bible looks like. Wow. You know, it's just all marked up and, um, it's, it's just my journal and my go-to. I would say you have to start by opening this. Yeah. And if it's hard to open, someone told me once they leave theirs open, they don't ever close it. And so if it's open on the table, then they can just walk over to it and just flip a page and read something and yeah. there you are in it. Right. And so I think that tools are great. I think devotionals are wonderful. I think podcasts are really helpful and I go in and out of season of which one of those things I want to use or be about. Um, but I think the main thing is 
sitting with it, the being still part, you know, I think really uh, Psalm 4610, you know, the be still and know um, is like, I can use a tool to get me in the word, have me open my Bible, have me read something, but it's in the lingering and it's in the being still that I then kind of find my way to where I need to be for me for that day from God. And then when I get there, I know that I have really finished my time. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I've, my heart turns to worship. I find myself rooted again. I, I think, okay, I know who I am again. And things are quiet and still. I kind of just rested in him. And now I can go. And sometimes that happens in five minutes. And sometimes it takes 30 minutes. Yeah. But I just know where I need to start. And I know where I need to finish. And I just kind of let that in-between time happen as it needs to happen. That's beautiful. I absolutely love that. And I couldn't agree more. You know, you've referenced your ministry a couple of times, and I would love for you to just unpack what it is that you do, how your ministry started, how God's working through you, and then even how people can connect to everything that you're doing these days. It's a long answer I'm going to have for you. I know, <laughs> I put a couple of questions in there. <laughs> Interrupt me. Um, if you want me to stop and say, like, expand on something. Uh, so I really, I was, I mean, I was a stay-at-home mom forever with my kids. My husband traveled. and. Um, we were in a season of life where our first daughter had just gotten married and my son had just gone off to college. I still had two girls at home and um, my mother had just passed away from 18 months of a struggle with cancer. And I was really just sitting at the computer one day and I was not looking for anything to do. <laughs> I felt full and um, I just saw a breaking news story um, and it was saying, you know, that a baby had been found in a dumpster here in Indianapolis and they, the news story said, baby doe found in a dumpster wearing only a diaper. Mm -hmm. And I knew immediately that God was doing something in me because as God flips things all the time, he flipped it immediately and said, doe is not a name and a dumpster is not a grave and a diaper is not burial clothing. And the reason I think that really struck me was because my mom had just died six months before and it was definitely still grieving, but I had walked a journey with her so close through all the way through her, all the treatments, everything to end her, in her end of her life, making decisions with her about what she would wear when she passed and what should her funeral look like? And then what would her headstone look like? And all those things with my dad. And it just seemed like my mother is a child of God. We did nothing but honor her, bless her, celebrate her. And this is so opposite of that, right? And a dumpster, I mean, a diaper, dough you know I was like this none of this and so I just knew I needed to do something and I had questions like what happens to a baby when they're found like this and so I called the person that wrote the article that I was reading online and he told me to call the coroner so I called the coroner and that just started really me asking questions and getting more answers that revealed more injustice mm -hmm. so it really wasn't like it, it the first thing God asked me to do was make a phone call and I said yes to that. And I think it was like my spiritual muscles have been exercised for so long that I've said yes to all the little things in my life. And some are bigger than others, but the, you know, like sometimes it's a two pound yes, sometimes it's a 20 pound yes, you know, really all of that. That I was like, yeah, I can make a phone call. Um, and then it was like, well, you don't know what you're going to do with this baby because you don't have a process or a procedure in place for this. Well, then put my name on the case. Like it just was obvious to me. And so when they told me they didn't really have anything in place, I was like, okay, well, there's another injustice. I got to do something about that. Yeah. It just was like a no brainer. 
And I really thought this was going to be a one-time thing. And what God did was reveal for over the next year, thing after thing, baby after baby, need wow. after need. That was a revelation to me that just like God laid out a blueprint. He gave me the name of my ministry, which is he knows your name. And it just was helping under-resourced people to providing a funeral for a baby that doesn't have family. It just went on and on. And so really after the first year, I was really settled in what I was to be doing. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't have a five-year plan and I don't have a, a actual like if, if it fits into this little mission statement like this, then I'll do it. And if it doesn't, then I won't. You know, everything comes back to this is a child of God and honor and dignity needs to be given here. And how can I help this mother do the right thing? Or how could I take care of this baby when there is no family? And so really the dynamic of my ministry has really formed around taking care of abandoned babies in death and celebrating them in life, you know, their life, making sure they've been named. And then um, finding solutions for some of the problems along the way and or providing a headstone for a baby that has not had a headstone, either a family who couldn't afford it or a baby. Like you drive through a cemetery and it looks like a beautiful grassy meadow. And, norm and that's usually all unmarked graves. And wow. when I learned that at a cemetery in a little town west of here in Indianapolis, I was like, okay, we need 58 markers. <laughs> And we put 58 markers down and made sure that every single infant in that infant section had a marker. And it's just one thing after another has come along to me. And now it's like through other people, because I don't watch the news all the time to like look for these things. They, are, they usually are brought to me and the stories just run the gamut. You know, sometimes it's taking care of a, a headstone for a mother because all the children want it. And I'm like, I'm still helping children. It's just a different backwards kind of way of helping them. And so I've been doing this for 11 years and I've claimed 30 babies in death wow. and named most of them and celebrated their lives. And all the stories um, are just so redemptive mm -hmm. and God keeps surprising me even this last, this year already since 2021 several of the stories that were either in my book or have happened in the last, well, in particular three or four years are coming back around. And I'm like, I thought I saw the redemption on that. I thought that claiming the baby and giving the funeral was kind of like the end of the story for that baby. Yeah. And then the Lord reveals something through another circumstance, a person that comes back around and I'm like, oh, there's the legacy of that life. And, oh, there's the purpose on that life. And now it means this, and I need to go do that. I need to connect these people. And that baby just has more life in them for the impact of this world. And I could go on and on about that. It's just amazing. I've got two things I'm working on right now that are just so profound. And I thought, I kind of thought they were done and they're not done. So it's not always like a new situation. Sometimes it's something old that the Lord is still birthing something new and resurrecting life with purpose and legacy. That's amazing. Like, thank you for the incredible work that you are doing. You really are transforming lives. And, you know, if somebody was listening to this story, they're like, I want to know more about He Knows Your Name, or you can get your book, read your entire story. Where can they go? So my website is heknowsyourname.org. And you can see where my book is available there. And I really highly recommend reading my book. I'm not trying to sell my book. I'm just saying it captures the first five years 
and it's a memoir. So it talks a lot about my family, my heart, my um, faith, and how I hear God. And just more of a, let me show you how this all happened rather than let me tell you how it all happened. Because there's no how to, to do the ministry God's called me to do. Um, but it's more like, come alongside me and just be my friend and walk with me on this journey. Um, so I do love that about my book. And even the, even though it was published five years ago, um, God is rebirthing it now. And it's just incredible to me how many people, even though there's so much more story, it is the like core and heart of my story in my ministry. So I feel like it's very effective. And it also challenges everyone to say, what has my name on it? I, it was never my goal to franchise He Knows Your Name all over the country, but I want people to read it and then ask God, what has my name on it? And what's my next assignment? Is it to help Linda or help something in my own community or my state with legislation? Or is it just to get involved with the crisis pregnancy center or a homeless shelter? Because maybe this homeless story that I talk about in there piques their interest. Maybe the domestic violence story I share in there prompts them to say, I've got some questions about this, you know, and what does my state do? And what is the law about this or that? And I, and I want people to just really use it as a tool to talk to God. And that's what I really hope people do when they read my book. Um, Of course, I'm on social media and that's where I really kind of keep people fresh in the new, in the day-to-day of what's happening and try to help people understand like what events are going on that they can come to, or they can kind of see me doing something and it might inspire them to go do something kind of like it or ask questions of people they know, go to your hospital and ask, what do you do with babies that are 20 plus weeks that are not claimed in death? What about this? What about that? You know, so all those kinds of things. That's incredible. And it's pretty cool because we even met at an event that you were speaking at. And I have Linda's book. I couldn't recommend it more. We'll have the links for everything in this post as well. Um, But Linda, thank you so much for unpacking your journey, who you are, who you're becoming. Um, You inspire me so much. And I just am so glad that we were able to share your story today. Thank you. Oh, it's just a joy. I mean, I I love it. I could talk about it all day because it, it's so life-giving to me. And people say to me all the time, you know, do you just cry all the time? And I, I'm like, no, I'm so thrilled. I know that I'm walking with Jesus and I know that I'm in my anointing mm-hmm. and there's no place I'd rather be. It's the most satisfying place for me to live my life on purpose. It's my life is not perfect and my family is not perfect and my marriage is not perfect. But we live on purpose and we walk with God doing it. And so that is where the rubber meets the road for me. Well, you can definitely tell, like in our short conversations together, I can feel your confidence in who you are, who you're becoming, and that's inspiring. And that's the power in sharing your story because you get to rub off some of that on us and and the tangible advice that you shared today of how we can really discover identity at the feet of Jesus. Right. And we can all walk in this confidence that we've seen from you today, just by knowing who we are in him and then living out who he's made us to be. So. Yeah, and I think that we have to say, like, I want to be willing to say yes, even if it scares me. Okay. And I want to practice saying yes in the small things so that when the thing comes up that you don't understand what it is, you're just like, all I know is that I'm going to say yes. Yeah. And, you know, and that's a pretty exciting place to be. Mm-hmm. And how do we like model for one another 
what my yes looks like, what your yes looks like. So we're not just inspired, but we are like, our faith is built and the testimony pushes me further in my faith so that it's real and sustainable. And I'm chasing after God. I'm not chasing after stuff. So that's a really important. Okay. No, I totally agree. Linda, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been great to talk to you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Becoming Me podcast. If this episode connected and resonated with you, we would love to see your experience. So snap a photo of this episode and share on social media. Don't forget to tag us by tagging at Emily B. Cummins. Learn more about becomingme.tv and find more resources at becomingme.tv. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Becoming Me podcast. If this episode connected and resonated with you, we would love to see your experience. So snap a photo of this episode and share on social media. Don't forget to tag us by tagging at Emily B. Cummins. Learn more about becomingme.tv and find more resources at becomingme.tv.